0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajasad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. This isn't a pre-recorded intro. I do it the same almost every time, and I think people have always asked me if you just press a button and repeat yourself from last week. Nope, it's different. We try to... Prove it by changing it up.
1: Isn't that right, Ben? Back in 2017, we sat Sammy in front of a mirror and gave <laughs> yeah. him this script. And uh, we didn't feed him until he got it right. And let's say, let's just say there were some hungry days, but uh, I think that it was well worth the, the effort. We could have just recorded it. But why do that when you can burn it into someone's brain?
0: Yes, painfully and, uh, with and effectively, a, really. With a,
1: with a hunger laser.
0: <laughs> with a hunger laser. Yes, carrot and stick. Here we go. Um, ben is not only an automotive journalist, but he's also a very good friend of mine. In fact, you can find his work all over the internet. Isn't that right, Ben?
1: Yes, you usually can.
0: Well, tell them, tell them, prove it.
1: Okay. Well, if you want to find my work, you can go to Motor Trend, you can go to Driving Line or Inside Hook or Haggerty.
0: Oh, are you upset cuz I said all over the internet when you can really find it outside of the internet in the real world?
1: I mean, it's it is does exist in the real world, but it's a little bit harder to find. I it honestly magazines are getting tougher and tougher to find. And then, you know, it's weird. There used to be magazine stores on nearly every corner, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dating myself now. Uh On every
0: um, corner, really every single. Yeah, it was a plague <laughs> they altered of, the all to Starbucks for a while. A plague
1: of magazine houses, but um <laughs> Now it's 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 weird. It's like I either go into a supermarket and they have a rack of magazines and that's Random,
0: it. random magazines.
1: Or you find like one store that has literally five, 600 magazines. Like this yeah, is one store. And, and, right. and you, this store has to be keeping all of these publishers in business. You know, every city seems to have one or two of these shops that no one else knows about that used to, I guess, maybe bought all the other magazine stores. And that's where I can get like my $25 European import automotive magazines that are somehow turning a profit.
0: I wanted to get another copy of a car and driver um, magazine, and um, I went to a 7-Eleven, a big 7-Eleven, and I thought it would for sure have a magazine section. It didn't, and that really caught me off guard, and I think I complained to you, and you agreed with me that it's worth complaining about. Yeah, they displaced and it
1: for more Slurpees. That's just pretty much how it goes now. <laughs> Holy,
0: though. I got myself, like, three Slurpees that day. See, it works. It's a business it's strategy <laughs>
1: that's paying for itself.
0: Yeah, I asked the guy, I'm like, hey, do you guys have any magazines? And he's like, uh, did you check the Slurpee aisle? And I was like, yeah, let me check it out.
1: <laughs> and then there, uh, and there's
0: just all these magazines soaking up
1: like spilled Slurpee stuff. That's <laughs> where I keep them.
0: <laughs> um, anyways, you can find my work at autotrainer.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau magazine, and uh, occasionally in Car and Driver, the magazine. Ben we've got some cars uh, actually I guess SUVs and crossovers to talk about this week um particularly we ones with with weird and different powertrains right
1: what well, weird and different I don't know if I would go that far but I definitely, definitely I
0: would go that far s- I, I, I mean everything is weird and different to me I've been inside my house for like a month now
1: some new powertrains that's for sure um, yes so I'm going to talk about a vehicle that we've talked about on the show before, but it's a different and I didn't think it would be meaningfully different. I thought it would be just kind of a different flavor of that vehicle, but it turned out to surprise me in a lot of ways. And it's rare that I get surprised by this kind of thing. So I was happy about that situation, Sammy. Um,
0: yeah, OK, let's uh, let's break it down for the people. This is a we're going to go. We're going to we're going to play the guessing game. It's a Jeep.
1: Yes. What kind of Jeep. It's a very long Jeep. A very
0: long Jeep with yes. a long name. You Is know, it a Grand well, you know, Wagoneer or just a Wagoneer? You know how it's. you
1: know how you know it's long because it has the letter L appended. Oh,
0: right. Yeah, so that's an L at the end. That's I an. Guess.
1: So if that's in case you can't see the Jeep, you're not yes. shocked when you do see it. <laughs> You've been mentally prepared. <laughs> you're just
0: seeing the, you just see the L in the name and you're like, I know. And I you're know like, what's okay, coming. I'm ready let now. Me, let me look up from the badge. You take like wow. a
1: deep Lamaze style breath. And then, bam, it's right there. The Jeep Grand Wagoneer L. So, the last time I drove a Grand Wagoneer was about 15 months ago. I took the regular Grand Wagoneer, which is... Back then, that's all there was. The extended wheelbase had not yet come out. Mm -hmm. And I took it to the racetrack, not to drive, but to tow my Datsun. (laughs) And it did a pretty good job. No complaints, really. Uh, At that time... There was only one engine you could get with it, a 6.4 liter V8. I believe the 5.7 was available on the standard Wagoneer, which is yeah. in pretty much the same size, just not as luxurious. Very complicated branding when you start to dig into the Wagoneer world. But I want to stick with Grand Wagoneer for the purposes of this conversation. So okay. um, flash forward to 2023 and someone at Jeep looked out the window and was not shocked enough by the length of the Grand Wagoneer.
0: <laughs>
1: and they're like, okay. we got to do something about this. So they did, (laughs) and that turns out to mean adding seven
0: inches of wheelbase, Sammy. Oh my god! Yeah, and that I'm always surprised. So let me let me just talk about the like standard wheelbase and long wheelbase cars. There's no like uh, standard measurement of what that means right it's It's just just like the standard
1: is whichever one was first
0: Usually, (laughs) yeah like range rover like range rover has a standard wheelbase and a long wheelbase yes i wonder what the difference between those two are i'll I'll take a look at that later but i don't think it's seven like i don't know and not
1: not only is it seven inches but it's 12 inches overall length i think i think it's that much because five inches of the extra length is at the back there's like five inches of more overhang and What's crazy is the Grand Wagoneer was already really big inside. It was impressively large, but the new one is astounding. Remember last week when we were talking, but last week was our minivan episode, right? That's right. Okay. So we were talking about how the Sienna only had 100 cubic feet of cargo space, and we were really impressed that the Chrysler Pacifica had 130. Okay. And that's huge. That's an insane amount of room. So the Grand Wagoneer L has 130 cubic feet of cargo space.
0: Oh God. Okay. That's pretty so, nice. But, yeah. I,
1: but I'm, I'm mentioning the Pacifica because if you were to park these two vehicles beside each other, you would very quickly see <laughs> that the minivan is not like the size of a school bus. It's not the no. same length as the Grand Wagoneer. And I think it's that's an important distinction to make because it's a vehicle that is as practical for all intents and purposes for hauling people and cargo, yet it's in a much more um, manageable footprint. And I think for a lot of people, they don't realize that when SUVs are big inside, everything else about them is big, too. And that's not necessarily true for vans. So vans, they occupy this kind of like Doctor Who-esque world where they're bigger on the inside than they first appear.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I love that about them, to be honest. That's one of the I like advantages of one.
1: Yeah. The, the other crazy stat about the Grand Wagoner L... Uh, it has 16 extra cubic feet of cargo space behind the third row compared oh to God. the okay. compared to the standard Grand Wagoneer. Nice. That's a nutty number because a lot of the time, if you saw 16 cubic feet of cargo space, that would be like the trunk of a full size car.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is not a, not like a compact. Like sometimes we occasionally throw in the GTI, no, like as, an like Impala. A <laughs> <laughs> cried for the 300. Like. <laughs> So now
1: when you open up the hatch in the back of a Grand Wagoner L, it's 44 cubic feet of space between the third row and the hatch. That is the equivalent of two full-size sedan trunks stacked on the top of each other. So this is altogether an absurd amount of room. You can fold that third row flat, which is pretty cool. The second row doesn't fold completely into the floor, but it does give you like a flattish kind of thing. I used this truck to do one load of um, kind of mop up moving from my condo, moving into the country. It did a really good job. Uh, I was impressed with how many odd size, weird things I could put inside of it, and it uh, it, it it was it, I could the. I realize I'm stuttering here.
0: That's okay. Hold on, while you catch your while you catch your, your train of thought, I will say that I just looked at the Range Rover. Out of like I said, I would Range Rover long wheelbase is only um, is only eight. In, sorry, is eight inches overall. Uh, sorry, eight inches wheelbase larger than yeah. the standard wheelbase, and then overall only only a little bit um, less than ten. But it's a much <laughs> smaller vehicle.
1: Right, the is Range Rover. It, yes, Range Rover. Yeah. yeah.
0: Dang. I would say so. Wow, um, how big is this thing? Holy moly. So this is like a giant. You can live in this thing. This
1: is like a, a Yukon Denali XL or an Escalade ESV or a Suburban. That's pretty much where the Wagoneer L is hanging out. And mm-hmm. I was also concerned that the extra size most of the time when you get all that, you know, it's useful to have all that interior room, but it comes with some compromises, man. Like usually it doesn't handle well the acceleration. Awful acoustics Acoustics like I, what, what are, you, are you like demoing a band in
0: there? Like, like, yeah, I mean when you have that much space you're practically living you're living in the car.
1: Uh the the extra weight from the extra size tends mm-hmm. to inform the handling as well. They they're a lot tougher to park all this stuff, right? Yeah. Inside
0: so but, but those are expected to when you look at a wagon even a non-extended wheelbase or whatever you call long wheelbase version of the wagon here, you can look at that and say that's not going to handle that well and it's going to be a pain in the butt to maneuver in a tight tight situation like eh, I, I can give it some uh some leeway there right but what surprised me about the
1: l is that i really didn't feel that much of an impact it didn't feel that different from the standard grand wagoneer certainly not the difference you feel between like an Escalade ESV and an Escalade. i feel like there's a there is an impact there in terms of handling okay. um i'm not saying this thing's a sports car it's like it really kinds to tends to err on the side of being detached and showing you its dismay whenever you try to change directions at a higher rate of speed it's it's a very relaxed ride you know it's it's on air springs adjustable ride height it's not a performance oriented vehicle but i i didn't really feel like i was paying a big penalty for having the extra length and i was impressed by that
0: that's pretty good okay but i mean look the the major thing that i really think we need to talk about for this year's iteration of the um of the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer L and the Wagoneer L is this new engine that they're throwing in there, right? Yeah. So
1: every L now, every Grand Wagoneer L, it doesn't, it loses the V8. And I know some people are, you know, sad trombone, sad trombone noise because the 6.4 liter motor was pretty sweet. Uh, it gains a way, way, way better drivetrain, in my opinion. It's a three liter inline six cylinder engine, twin okay. turbo, 510 horsepower, 500 pound feet of torque. So that's yeah. forty, pretty much 40 more ponies than the V8 and 45 mm-hmm. additional pound-feet of twist. With have, a smaller
0: engine. Smaller engine. Almost, hopefully lighter engine. I don't know. Probably must be, right? I don't know.
1: It's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, extra turbos and extra cooling generally tend to balance out the lower yeah. displacement when you're looking at a V8 versus a straight six like this. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, it's almost a full second faster. And it's not just a full second faster than a, than like a Grand Wagoneer L with the V8, because that doesn't exist. It's a full yeah. second faster than a standard Grand Wagoneer the smaller short yeah, wheelbase okay. 0-60. <laughs> uh, to 60. Uh, That advantage kind of disappears once you get above 60, 70 miles an hour. Like, it doesn't hold all the way through the quarter mile. But off the line, it is a lot quicker, and you do notice it. It's It's not only faster from a start, but it's way smoother at pretty much every other time. And it's really really a sweet motor like i feel like this talk that this is the engine that's going to be in the replacement for the charger and the challenger Mm -hmm. and that would be fantastic
0: i you're into that you're not you're not one of those guys who are lamenting the death of the v8
1: look i like i would like there to be a v8 option but if this engine is the upgrade you definitely would want this upgrade
0: okay okay wicked So talk to me, is it the noise is is clearly like just the, the peak performance of this motor is what really caught your attention. It's the
1: smoothness and the power delivery. I would say the accessibility through the power band is just better. It just feels better. Uh, it is astonishingly quick for such a huge vehicle to the point where it's a little bit scary to hit the, thr- the throttle because it doesn't, like, stop any better than than uh, you would expect. It's not like it yeah. comes with both of those things. It just comes <laughs> with one of those things. And so you have to be super aware of when you're hitting the accelerator.
0: Okay, got it. So... Um like it's it's below
1: 5 seconds 0 to 60 Sammy and I'm sure it weighs like 6000 pounds
0: <laughs> below 5 seconds
1: Yes it's insane it's like 4.7 seconds or something
0: Remember when we said that we're just basically turning a bunch of uh, EVs into, like, these missiles that are basically thousands of pounds and can go 0 to 60 in three seconds? Now, apparently, you don't even need an EV for that kind of performance.
1: No, there's, like, super... It's, like, uh, I think Motor Trend got it to, like, five seconds, and I think Car and Driver got it to, like, 4.7 or something Jeez. like that. Just something totally insane. Um, If you do, like, brake boosting and all sorts of crazy stuff like that.
0: I don't know. I the mean... Accessibility. Well, um, Talk about mean, the transmission here.
1: Transmissions like your standard eight-speed automatic, like you're going to get in every Jeep. Uh,
0: just a normal transmission to do this. Yep,
1: yeah, just perfectly normal transmission. Just like a normal, wow. smooth, luxury-oriented 4.7-second land whale cetacean rocket ship that absolutely no one needs, um, but now exists. Uh, it's it's funny because we were talking about you know the Escalade V that we drove last year and, yeah. and how that was essentially kind of the same thing where they upgraded the engine and that's it. Like same, yeah. I think it might have had bigger brakes. I'm not sure, but like the suspension was exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same kind of deal with this Wagoneer L. It's like here's way too much power. Best of luck, you know.
0: Do you need all that luck? I mean, you mentioned the brakes aren't so good already. The car's handling. It. It's not. It's I'm not, not saying like the brakes aren't good. I'm saying but...
1: they're what I expect from like the world's largest SUV. <laughs>
0: Okay. And then, I mean, the handling, I mean, do these things have air suspension still? Or, yeah, I mentioned that earlier. It's, it's,
1: it's on air suspension. It's adjustable air suspension. So it's, again, okay. it's not a, it has a sport mode, but it doesn't really Great. seem to do anything except firm up the shifts and I guess make it that much easier to scare your passengers.
0: Now, Ben, I've been taking my measuring tape to every single um, car that I get in, and I've been measuring how much screen real estate they have. Now, that's because the Jeep Grand Wagoneer, I believe, has some ridiculous measurement or specification. That
1: 75 inches of screens. Is that what you're going to hit me with? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about this comment because it's not one ginormous screen. It's like 13 small ones. Yeah. There's like <laughs>
1: screens. There's, like, three screens on the dash. There's screens in the back seat. I think there's a screen on the center console in the back seat, too. Like, Okay. So, you know how you have, you have headrest monitors, but this also has some kind of touchscreen on the center console. It's totally unnecessary. I mean, I, I've been in a lot of these Jeeps now with the passenger screen. And my partner is someone who likes to use a device at all times while we're driving. It's just something that she's always playing a game or on the internet or watching videos or whatever. She has never used the screen that's in the car, mostly because you kind of have to, I guess, connect to it through a cable or some type of esoteric connection that I have not been able to make or isn't convenient to make during whatever short trip that we're taking. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not sure about that passenger front screen. I'm not sure of the utility of it. The screens in the back, if you want to watch videos while you're driving, that makes a lot more sense to me.
0: Okay, perfect. Uh, how much does this car cost again? I can't remember. I believe
1: it starts at 110,000. Holy moly! I think that's okay. Let me double check. Yeah, sorry, 113,000. Then that's not the starting price. I had a Series Three, which is a third in a series. And
0: <laughs> I, I also remember this actually. I I was doing some um, research on these Grand Wagoneers. Their trim level names are unreasonable, I think. Why? What's what's unreasonable? You this know, like, whole series. The fact thing. that they're sequential, that, that just irritates you. No, but I mean, it means nothing. And we don't know how many series there are or
1: will be. Well, that's the beautiful thing. It doesn't have to end. <laughs> 2027, we're up to series nine. That's just how it goes. Oh, man. Escalade is stuck with ESV, but we got series <laughs> nine at cheap. <Jeep>. Just saying. <laughs> That's Jeep Grand Wagoneer l l l l
0: No, hold on. The, the, the weird thing is there's no Series 1. There's just Gre- Grand Wagoneer. Okay. There's Series 2. Okay. There's, then there's Obsidian. Yeah, don't and worry then about there's it. Don't worry about it. Then there's Series 3, and then Series 3 Obsidian. Note: there was no Series 2 Obsidian, but there is a Series 3 Obsidian. So Obsidian is just
1: one of those words that automakers throw at a car lineup when they want to add piano black somewhere inside. Midnight, or dusk, or late night edition. In the 90s, they called it night edition, but like N-I-T-E. You can get like a Bronco and an F-150 that were night edition, and they were blacked out, but I believe they had... Remember that, like, teal and pink kind of spray-painty decals you could get Love back Love it. In? Yes, I With want them on like
0: everything. That. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I exactly. want it all the time. So, the, so Obsidian, the, gotcha.
1: The Jeep that I had, though, was not Obsidian. It was uh, a really nice caramel tan color inside. It looked gorgeous. The best part of the Grand Wagoneer is the inside. It's very... Not this powertrain? Uh, I mean, the powertrain is great, but... The, the its strongest feature is definitely the interior. Um okay I just find it's more warm and organic than an escalade, which is pretty nice. But mm-hmm. the Jeep
0: I, I don't know but if it they... can feel sterile, it can feel like uh like you're in a limo, like you're actually sometimes, like, yeah. Like, I, Jeep
1: Jeep is making the extra effort because to be honest, no one knows what the Grand Wagoneer is. Um I think that they really come in hot into a segment where there was total dominance from GM and it's been tough for them to get people to pay attention to the Grand Wagoneer. And it's not helped by the fact that the exterior styling is pretty anonymous. Uh, I've come around to how it looks. I used to not be into it at all. I think the longer... You long- especially
0: don't like the rear three quarters or rear angle of it, I yeah, think. Yeah,
1: but I think the longer model looks better somehow, which is almost never the case.
0: Proportionally, yeah.
1: Proportionally, I think it looks good. It's just, again, it you if you're driving down the road and you meet a Grand Wagoneer, you can easily miss it. It's not the kind of thing... Where you're going to be like, wow, that looks like one hundred and thirteen
0: thousand dollars, and I think that's a problem in this segment for Jeep. I don't believe you. To me, this is like a first gen Hummer. I can't miss these massive. Really? They're huge, but there's they're obnoxious, so obnoxious. But there's they're so many
1: other big vehicles on the road. Don't you just see it and go, oh, it's yet another big vehicle? Like when I see an Escalade, I know it's an Escalade.
0: That's well, I say that I say the same thing about Escalades as to like why does one need one of these here, but. Um, Talk to me about the wheel size on these things. Are they like unreasonable like 26 oh, I don't know. inch wheel or whatever? Question. I'm
1: assuming it's 22s. <laughs> okay. I don't have that data in front of me and I I'm, do. I hear
0: it is 22s, you're right. Okay. Um which is oh, at least that's, they could they could have gone they could have gone bigger. I'm glad they showed some restraint there. That's,
1: that's the that's the uh, the lament that we have these days where the, the <laughs> yeah. only praise we can offer is well they could have gone bigger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. It does sound like a very luxurious uh, high-end vehicle it's and I'm, a very glad nice that's a, ride. I'm glad that the powertrain has caught up to yeah. other aspects of the vehicle not that there was anything wrong with the v8 but i think just having that extra bit of specialness to the to the drive helps improve the overall experience you right can,
1: you can still get the v8 in the wagoneer i believe it's standard and i think the there's an option to get the there's a 420 horsepower tune of the same straight six I don't mm-hmm. know exactly where it's available. I think Grand Wagoneer can get it, and I think some versions of Wagoneer can get it. But if you get the L, you're always getting the 500 horsepower one.
0: Okay. All right. Anything else you want to say about this? You recommend the Wagoneer now, um, <sighs> the Grand Wagoneer, now that it's got this motor. And especially against, I guess, the, uh, what's the name of the, the Yukon? It's the Yukon Denali, I guess.
1: The Denali is really good. Um, it's hard. And the Escalade, It's I guess. very hard to recommend these vehicles because I the, the use case for them is so specific. You have mm-hmm. to need three rows and you have to need to be able to tow and you have to need to have absurd interior amenities. Like those are the, right. the three things together. And I think that most people shopping for a full-size SUV don't need all three of those things.
0: Don't need the luxury. I don't think they need the luxury aspect as much as they need the other aspect truck based
1: truck based suvs like if you're not towing then what are you doing that's that's
0: (laughs) you're hauling a lot of weight around
1: yeah it's a lot of weight it's tough to park the fuel mileage is absurd i mean this is like i think 20 miles per gallon on the highway i saw around there so i mean and 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 i i did drive it while hauling some stuff so it was loaded down but it's just i think to buy a vehicle like this you should have a reason um, unless you just want a shock and awe, in which case, I mean, go for it. I, I think the Escalade's probably a better choice for that. But this is yeah. this is quite a hefty leviathan that you know is going to take up a lot of spot. I, I I tried to park at a at a local uh, curling club, which is a very Canadian thing to do, and yeah. it did not fit in the parking spot. No, yeah, it was quite embarrassing. But uh, I think
0: shock and awe SUV. I think G wagon and Hummer. Like that's my that's my go to. But if you need the third row, but
1: Hummers, how many uh, do you see? You just never see them.
0: This Hummer EV? Yeah, I don't see them yet. But I understand they're out there. (laughs) Someone's driving them. (laughs) Someone someone has to be driving these things. I was looking at a recall notice of it, and it was like two people, two recalls. And I was like, oh, no, those
1: four guys. They just picked up the phone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They didn't send out. You know, you get a
1: postcard most of the time. Yeah. And it's like, hey, a car you no longer own has a recall. And you're like, (laughs)
0: like, oh, man, I hope the current owner isn't dead. (laughs) Yeah. um, okay, what do you want to tell me more about this Wagoneer? Are you finished? You want yeah, to talk I about think something else? I think, Are you bored? I
1: think, I think I've purged my Wagoneer speak. I think I'm good. Okay,
0: I've got to talk to you about a Lincoln, which is a, as well a, an American luxury brand that most people um, do not obviously associate with uh, high luxury, with the exception of the Navigator that we that I think this Grand Wagoneer would be a really strong competitor to. But the Lincoln that I'm driving. Does not have the the brand recognition or cachet as the Navigator. Instead, it's a model name that I'm sure nobody here really quite remembers or understands what it is. It's the um, Corsair. Ben, did you know about the Corsair?
1: I know the Corsair was like a aircraft carrier launched fighter bomber plane from the second world war i believe correct you've been playing way too much battleship
0: i think are there airplanes uh, in battleship
1: that would be a game changer
0: (laughs) that would be that would change everything you're right um no the corsair is what used to be known as the lincoln mkc which is a compact luxury crossover crossover pretty much based on the Ford Escape. Now, the model I drove, in fact, I drove um, two different versions of the um, Corsair, but I wanted to specifically test the plug-in hybrid version of this car because I recently drove the Escape PHEV, and I had a few few concerns about it. Are they the same? What do you mean by are they the same? They are very close, and I'm going to explain what the big difference is. Okay. The Ford Escape PHEV is... Front wheel drive only. What? So that means that there's this opportunity to not only upsell somebody from a who wants an all wheel drive version of the escape, they're going to have to spend about thirteen thousand dollars to get an all wheel drive version of that powertrain in a Lincoln Corsair. That's a big upsell. Well, of course, you have to go from beyond just imagining the car as an escape, and now you're looking into, into a luxury product. But, but we're looking at a car that's about the same size, has the same gas component of the powertrain, and obviously, I guess, the front-wheel drive aspect of it, um, an additional rear motor for the, uh, or, or sorry, a all-wheel drive aspect for this um, Corsair, which adds about 50 horsepower to the powertrain, and you're... That's what we got here. That's so a that's big deal.
1: The rear motor is electric only?
0: I, I don't actually know exactly if it was the rear motor. I'm, I'm assuming it is that the Lincoln Corsair has the, the all-wheel drive aspect is a double motor setup. Okay, But um, I'm not getting that exact information, which is unfortunate. But sometimes that's what I get. For not doing my math ahead of time.
1: Sometimes that's what we I honestly I just spring these recordings on Sammy. I wait until he's least expecting it, and then I call him on Skype and I'm like, podcast time! And he has to <laughs> drop whatever he's doing. Sometimes people have been hurt because of this, but he's so yeah. dedicated.
0: But um it is essentially the only way to get the all wheel drive um an all wheel drive train with the plug in hybrid technology that was found in the escape or other plug or other Ford vehicles. And I find that to be really disingenuous. Like, remember we talked about this compact this compact vehicle strategy at Ford, saying that they've kind of forgotten about the Escape um, because yeah. of the Bronco Sport. Yes, um, they haven't given it a killer competitive set of of features and and packaging. And then to further, you know, sort of isolate the Escape, they're giving all of those. A, a ideal features to a Lincoln product, which is $13,000 more expensive. And I think we're we're getting into this territory where like, we have to question what the heck is going on with Ford and their plug-in hybrid strategy. And that's where I'm at. I, I really wish that, look, the, the Lincoln Corsair drove really well. I in fact really enjoyed the powertrain. I thought it was very strong, really responsive. Um, it had a bunch of different drive modes I do have to mention that the preserve function of the drive mode, which is the, the the feature that allows you to preserve the current battery range and just drive on the hybrid or um um gas motor, is not very good at following that instruction. Did I mention this with the escape? it also did yeah, this. When you, you put did. it in the you pres- said it, it basically meant nothing. It was like it, you have to actually push the vehicle so far where it gets out of the electric powertrain like comfort setting like basically um past resident like like i would say past residential or city speeds or acceleration and then it turns on the gas engine and stays on until you come to a stop turns it off and then you have to start all over again you basically have to start sprinting from every stop sign or or stop light which was insane to me i didn't like that at all ben
1: i can tell i can tell you're quite perturbed so did you like it less in the Lincoln or did you like it less in the Ford?
0: No, no, it's the same thing. It really bugged me. In order for me to ensure that the gas engine turned on and stayed on for the cruise, I, I had to push the throttle far enough that the car would go, oh, he needs some more power now. I'm so how on
1: important guy. is this feature to you, though? I guess it's
0: not that important. The more you think about it. So you got
1: really <laughs> upset about something that doesn't really matter to you.
0: Why have the feature to preserve the function if, it, if you have to change the way you drive entirely, right? Hey, I'm with you. Yeah, this is you, a safe space. It sounds, like you're fighting, it sounds like you're against me this now. This is a
1: safe space for you to discuss your frustration with a very specific PHEV feature.
0: <laughs> um, let's talk about the range, though. It was pretty um, spot on with the estimates of um, 27 miles. Um, I really wish it could be a little bit more because I believe the Escape does a tiny bit more. I'll double check.
1: Well, the Escape's probably lighter.
0: And it's front-wheel drive.
1: Yeah, which is why it's lighter.
0: Yeah, the the Escape has 10 more miles. It didn't feel like that big of a difference um, in, in practice. But beyond that, in addition to um, when the mileage runs out, the hybrid function is actually quite smooth. I really do commend Ford's um, hybrid powertrain. I think it's fine. Um, and maybe competitive to more competitive to Toyota's powertrains than I think the Korean ones. And that might put me in uh, a bit of an Island against peers because I'm not a huge fan of the, of the way the Tucson hybrid and Sportage hybrid operate their, their plug-in hybrid features. But the, way, just...
1: the way you're describing it though, is if you're saying mm-hmm. that you get 37 miles of battery range from the escape, which is Pretty good. Like that's close yep. to the top of what you would get. Yeah. Yeah. And you get 27 miles from the
0: Lincoln, Coursera. which costs yep. you
1: thirteen thousand dollars more. Yeah. So you're paying more for 25 percent less range.
0: More for less range with, um, let's call it, 25 um, percent more power. Okay. And then the the accommodations that you might call or the amenities you might say in a in a a Lincoln product
1: and the all wheel drive.
0: In the all-wheel drive, yes.
1: So do you think that's a good trade-off?
0: 13000 is a lot. Do you think people
1: realistically cross-shop these two
0: vehicles? No, of course not. Absolutely not. But I think Ford has this spreadsheet of how they they manage their, their products left oh, and right. Yeah, and they yeah. can say, um, we're going to put all these features in this car, charge an arm and a leg more for it, and we'll make more money that way. You're probably very and, right about that. When in reality, they should be able to give all of these features to whichever customer ne- needs it in whichever vehicle they can put it in, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's my biggest frustration is that I can see the product that I want and I can't get it, right? Yeah. Um, I will admit, though, the, the Corsair, I think people are sleeping on Lincoln's design language, interior design language, because the exterior design language is a little bit... Um, it, it's anonymous to be blunt, but the interior design language is beautiful. Um, the model I had had red, a red leather interior. It felt really good. Um, one of those 40 way adjustable seats in the front, um, in the front seats, which are, I'm going to be clear. I really don't think people need 40 way adjustable seats. I don't it's even great that you offer it, but the there's kind of no way.
1: Once I start adjusting them, I'm so scared to touch them again. Cause like, I'll get them wrong and then I'll never get back to the comfort that I had before because my brain can't process more than five, maybe even four adjustments. Like I can do up, down, uh, the, 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 the vertical <laughs> recline of the seat. I can maybe yeah. do one lumbar mm-hmm. and I can slide it forward and backward. That's it. Anything what else? If you
0: wanted, what if you wanted one thigh to be higher than the other one? Look, man, I
1: don't know what kind of <laughs> weird cult you're in, but I don't even think about my thighs. Like (laughs) under any circumstances, (laughs) I don't like the idea of Lincoln engineers thinking about where my thighs are positioned when I'm driving. That's private.
0: You know what I'm saying? Um, and then there's, of course, bolsters and all this other stuff. Um, the only thing I really appreciate about the 40-way adjustable seats is that they have a massage function. Um, can you, you massage, massage each thigh individually? Don't answer I don't that. I so. don't want you to answer that. <laughs> I don't think you can. Um, but I just love the I, I love the concept that they've got this 40-way adjustable seats. And I've always said it just takes you longer to get, to realize that you're not in your perfect seating position. Like,
1: What, what if I gave you a $13,000 discount Yes. But you only had 21-way adjustable seats. I
0: would take it. I would take it instantly, okay. right? All right. I mean, we've had 10-way or 8-way adjustable seats, and they've worked fine. I think I find my – I have manual seat seat adjustments. Worked totally okay. Remember
1: those seats from the 80s where it would come with, like, a little pumper on the side? It was, like, a, an air pump. And no would, yeah what so you would have, you have like
0: nike i mean reebok air like what do they call them kind of more reebok like a
1: clown horn where they would stick up from the side of the seat and you would squeeze <laughs> it and it would pump up the lumbar a clown horn really yeah, yeah really and yeah. then what and then you got more lumbar and then i don't know is there a
0: release i'm Was not there a seetologist
1: like <laughs> i'm assuming there's a release
0: and like, how did you remove the lumbar after?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess you would push a button and it would hiss at you or something.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I love that. And you can just, um, you, you
1: can fiddle with it at a light. It gave you something to do. Perfect.
0: Speaking of uh, fiddling with things, I've got this car and it has—I uh, believe it has this—blue um, cruise. You believe Our it Lincoln, has blue cruise? Lincoln Blue Cruise. Is this a hands-free driving technology or not? Yes. Asterisk. Okay, so mine never liked it when I didn't have my hands on the steering wheel, but it kept recommending that I change lanes. Every time I would drive, it would say, basically it would tell me that the, the lane next to me is clear, I should change lanes and use that lane to pass the person in front was of me. Was there
1: a lane next to you or was it the median? <laughs> yes, there was a lane next to me. Was like the Lincolns just kind of being like, hey, maybe it's time to just... Let's just end this relationship. <laughs> let's just commit insurance. i I'm so tired. I'm so,
0: so tired. <laughs> I've been adjusting the seat for about 25 minutes.
1: Oh, let's time uh, for let's the, finish. Time it. for the 41st adjustment.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it puts the seat through the windshield. Ben. Other than that, um, I was finding the car pretty comfortable. It, it's speedy, it's quick, it's quiet. Uh, great little sound system. Infotainment system, obviously we have pain points for infotainment systems all the time. I think we'll talk about that a little bit later because we've got some um, reader comments. But um, I just wish this thing, I wish we could get this package in a more affordable option and we should get to pe- into people's hands. I, I think, you know, nobody likes Lincolns. I don't know what to say. Well, nobody what? wants to buy a Lincoln and making putting all this great... Powertrain technology, or maybe not even great, good enough powertrain technology in a Lincoln instead of in a Ford means that you're hiding Ford's kind of, like, expertise. Now, would
1: you recommend this vehicle over anything else?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, maybe. There's one car which I would consider somebody con- – I would see somebody wanting to take a look at is the Lex – I didn't even mention the price of this poor Lincoln. Which I'm assuming
1: is- it's 51000
0: it is a little bit more than that um let me get it 55 okay yeah. so um, this is
1: not exactly like an rdx competitor then
0: is a rdx cheaper
1: i don't know i'm asking
0: i was gonna say the lexus uh, nx would be the perfect competitor for this then because then... there's a plug-in version of the lexus nx okay but would you take this over the nx but the NX is more expensive. What happened here?
1: <laughs> what happened is Lexus has a plan, and, <laughs> and they've built brand equity. Whereas Lincoln has kind of not had a plan and has been willy nilly about brand equity.
0: I mean, of course, Lexus offers the powertrain, the, the plug-in powertrain in the Lexus NX is like top is like top of the class, I think. Um, it only has 37 miles of range, which is where the Escape was. But it's all-wheel drive. So what's the holdup, right? Like, yeah. we should have competitive products.
1: Okay. Uh, anything else that you want to say about this Lincoln?
0: Um, I, I, I feel bad because I think that the Lincoln is actually okay to drive. There's no real reason to not get a Lincoln other than um, con- concerns about the other um, luxury products being a little bit more higher end or special.
1: But 55000 um, like at that point,
0: yeah, why not take a look at an NX, which is again fifty nine thousand.
1: And you would definitely want to have something that is more than okay to drive. I think yes, yeah. I think it's reasonable to to make that demand.
0: And I mean, this the link. I would say the Lexus is more attractive, um, has better technology in the in the cabin, and doesn't have whatever you know lane change recommendation that this car kept having. Oh, I forgot to mention, my car keep wanting to change um, the speed limit. That I set the cruise control at. I had to turn off this feature on all the Lincolns that I drove. It apparently notices what speed limit the highway is. Yes. And then drops or set speed to that limit.
1: I think I've had that happen in a Ford as well.
0: And that was really frustrating because sometimes it would just change it down to 30 or something really ridiculous. What? We're, okay, yeah! where are we
1: using cruise control where 30 is suddenly on the an highway, option? highway,
0: man, I have no clue why it just kept dumping it down to 30 or or something ridiculous like that.
1: That's a problematic feature because there are definitely stretches of road I've been on where this car did not know what the speed limit was and it makes a guess or it sees a sign that's somewhat related to where I am but isn't exactly for my lane and it it you know it, it most of the time it just displays that on the windshield and you're like wait a minute why is it suddenly a 40 zone when <laughs> yeah. it's actually 65. But um to have it automatically change the speed limiter at the same time would be disconcerting
0: at best. And then I had an issue with the infotainment system. Let's let's move this conversation to the infotainment system discussion, where it kept believing I was in America, um, somewhere else in America. And uh, even when I was using Google Maps, I would, you know, press the, the voice recognition. I would say navigate. I was actually going to the recycling center to get rid of some cardboard. And it just kept sending me to like once in Detroit or Chicago and I was, and I like, I, I got so upset. It wants to car. go home, like, Sammy.
1: And you're here. You are 41st seat adjustment, not letting it yeah. sleep, not letting it go back home,
0: not listening to its lane change advice.
1: Yeah. Not slowing down. Like it wants you to slow down. Cause it's so tired. <laughs> it's just, this is a, this is a sad story. This is a, a press vehicle that very clearly needed a friend. And it didn't find one behind the drive, behind the dri- the steering wheel.
0: I'm, that's true. I'm unfortunately,
1: um, kind of wrapping things up for this week. Yep. Uh, we had some listener feedback from Tim, longtime mm-hmm. listener of the show. Very happy always to hear from Tim. Uh, he had three things that he wanted to discuss, or at least mention, and uh, they're mm-hmm. definitely interesting things. One is something that I actually have read into recently, and that's about how modern infotainment systems don't often have a pause button for when you're listening to audio. Um, I would expand that to say that it doesn't always have a mute button where you can't always tell when you're pushing the button that says mute or pause or on or off what's going yeah. to happen. Like yeah, yeah. Like I'm driving in a Chrysler product. If mm-hmm. I want to mute the audio and I hit that button, it turns the screen off. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what you meant, right? That's yeah. What you- <laughs>
1: So that's frustrating. Were you
0: navigating somewhere?
1: Too bad. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. So if I'm using uh, Android Auto, which I was a lot over the last couple of weeks, if I want to pause a podcast, let's like say a phone call comes in, and, and I don't even mean for me, I mean for someone who's in the passenger seat and I want to hit mute, if I, mm-hmm. if I need to do that quickly, the fastest thing is just to hit the hard button, but the hard mm-hmm. button kills my nap too. So that's something I've noticed too, and it's annoying. Tim says maybe that cars are just nostalgic for the days when pause meant a rest stop, Sure, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. kind of funny. Um, mute isn't always a solution and I think he's right. Uh, I, that's, that's something that I've noticed too, but sticking on the infotainment thing, he was talking about large tacked on screens that we're seeing in more and more vehicles and how they're great for things like navigation, but in pretty much every other circumstance at nighttime, what you end up with is this big glowing rectangle directly in your line of sight and how that can be really annoying. Uh, Sammy, what do you think about that?
0: I agree with that entirely. First of all, I would love to have um, better infotainment in- integration. I don't mind the big um, screen on top of the dash because I think that it's more in the line of sight. But occasionally, they start interfering with visibility outside, vis- or, you know, outside visibility, um, or they they don't get dark enough or dim enough, or yeah. they're too distracting. Uh, Tim suggests that there's a night mode. I would love night mode. And- I think night mode, and I guess like that for that would mean like. You know, I think there's some Samsung phones or maybe other ones that have OLED screens where they're really nice when they're off. They just have, like, the time on them.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. um, and I would love to see that kind of technology being in a, in a car.
1: That would be really cool. The, the thing that bothers me about the night modes that you do encounter for new cars is that they're often completely separate from all the other lighting in the vehicle. Yeah. So, like, when you have a roller on the dashboard that lets you roll the lights up and down at mm-hmm. night... Sometimes the screen just stays super bright while that's happening. Yeah. And then yeah. I have to go into another menu and I have to change it today or change it tonight. It should already know, first of all. But second, second, I have to like use an on-screen system to lower the brightness of the screen, which is now out of sync with the rest of the car. So absolutely. It, it, that can be annoying to me. Um yeah, and the, the,
0: absolutely.
1: The final thing that Tim brings up, and it's about drive modes. Uh, they're, they're, I, love,
0: I love talking drive modes. They're ridiculous.
1: <laughs> but one thing I've never thought about This is a good point about drive modes that I have not considered. He says that, you know, a lot of smaller cars and SUVs where they have the drive mode selector on the center console, that has the effect of pushing the cup holders back to the point where you lose half of your armrest.
0: Sammy, how do you feel about that? Drive mode selectors in cars that don't need drive mode selectors. This is the thing. You know, we also ripped poor Acura for putting a knob in the middle of the center center of the dash. The largest
1: knob. (laughs) The knob that instead of, you know, controlling the infotainment volume puts you in like deep conditions or whatever this <laughs> the system is.
0: You know, there's like that trailer pro backup assist in the Ford F-150. Yes, which That I... has a smaller knob than this drive mode <laughs> selector in the Acura RDX, I think. So I agree that
1: I, I had not considered the impact it has on real estate. And, you know, you lose cup hol- you either lose your armrest or you lose a cup holder or whatever it is. It's taking up space. And how often are you going to interact with it why couldn't it have been on the dash oh yeah, i know agreed. why i know why it's not on the dash because we can't have buttons on the dash anymore i get it soon we're just going to have center consoles that are also touch screens, and you're just going to lean your hand on them and the car is going to eject you like straight through the <laughs> through the moonroof because you're going to hit the the accidental hijack escape button
0: yeah and yeah i agree okay that's my prediction. um i think interior layout has really taken um a backseat to design as you mentioned um, and of course, ergonomics or usability with infotainment systems has also taken a backseat to design people. The automaker or designers believe that the, sm- the the more minimalist look on the dash is what people are after. I don't think that's totally true just because our smartphones look like just black slabs of, of plastic S- when they're not on.
1: Smartphones are the ugliest thing in the world when they're not on. If you're looking at the screen.
0: Yeah. And um, I don't think that's exactly the way we want our are cars to do that no. or to look like that and to further move things where they're more accessible like by your arms or by your hands into your elbow or behind you or by your knees there's a lot of cars that have like button pods by your knees now yeah, which is the worst <laughs> toyota i'm looking at you
1: those are the Love- features of a car i discover like five days into driving it Where I'm like, what is this this whole suite of buttons? And there's also the other thing that I I find funny, not so much terrible, but there's always those cars that have like the secret compartment by your knees on the left side, where instead of a button pod, they have like a drawer that you could pull out and put absolutely nothing in there.
0: I love the drawer. I love the secret drawer. It's great
1: for, remember change? It's great for forgetting (laughs) anything you want to forget in a car because you'll never open that drawer a second time um <laughs> you go to the you, you end up at like the, the service bay and you're like this is rattle in my dashboard and I don't know what it is and the, and the the technician opens the drawer and it's like a treasure trove it's like a crow has been filling it with shiny objects in your absence yeah. it's everything you've lost from your home now lives in the dashboard of your car to make noise over a speed bump
0: um I love my personal favorite though is that I think hidden buttons is one of the is both like the best and worst thing in the automotive industry so Toyota loves to loves to put the heated steering wheel button in that pod by your left knee, which is always annoying. Until you Um, accidentally
1: hit it with your knee in like July and you start sweating (laughs) through your hands like you're climbing a wall or something.
0: And then Porsche puts its heated steering wheel button behind the steering wheel spoke, center spoke.
1: It's odd because Porsche is not really a company to hide buttons, right? Yes, that's true. They're like, uh, here's all our buttons. Look upon them in wonder. (laughs)
0: Yes. What does what? Of course. <laughs> in fact, they, and like I said, when they cheaped out and started putting um, like a capacitive touch buttons in the center cluster, you can see, you could see the buttons you don't own, which yes. I loved. I think yeah, that's ridiculous. It's the
1: ultimate oh. rebuke from the salesman that you did not take take them up on their offer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you, Tim, for sending us those comments. If anybody else wants to send us their comments or things they want to hear us talk about, just uh, send us an email or something. The easiest way is to go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form there. You fill that out, and it lands in our inbox. But if you want to do things a little bit more manually, you can just send an email. It's benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. You fill that out. You fill out your little compose email button on Gmail or whatever you're using that's how you you send an email these days. This is really for my parents. I think. I'm just <laughs> giving my parents my parental listeners um the tips on how to do this.
1: And uh, if you want to listen to us, the easiest way to do that, if you're listening, if you're hearing this in someone else's car that you've been walking stealthily beside the entire time as they creep through traffic and you want to know how you can hear it on your own phone and, and potentially avoid arrest, you can do that by going to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com or you can, I mean, that's where all of our archived episodes are, but you can go to pretty much any podcatcher online. We are everywhere. Enter in United, United. what am I saying? UAP, Automotive, Unnamed Automotive Podcast into the podcatcher Apple, Amazon, Google, all that good stuff. And you'll find us uh, leave a like, leave a rating, leave some stars. Whatever you feel like doing, it really helps us kind of broaden the audience for the podcast so that we can uh, get even more cool questions and and feedback from listeners to talk about on the show. Sammy, we wh- can yeah. Sorry what were you going to say?
0: I can't wait to hear from from our listeners and our new listeners all the time. We we get we have such a good community. I'm always actually very happy about my about the community of our listeners because uh, as you know, I used to write at AutoGuide, and we had, a, uh, we had a YouTube channel that was pretty popular, and people were grumpy in those comments. So I love our guys who are listening, our guys and girls who are listening to us um, on the podcast. They're always so kind to us.
1: And, uh, Sammy, what
0: are you going to be talking about next week? Next week, I'm driving. Let me remember what I'm driving. A Volvo XC90 Recharge.
1: Okay. I'm going to be talking about the Dodge Challenger Scat Pack Swinger which is one of the uh, saying goodbye to muscle cars, cars that's um, currently pouring out of the the uh, Dodge factories.
0: Love it. Perfect. I can't wait. Those are two very, very different cars. Very, very different cars. And uh, I've got, a, I had a lot of things to think about with this Volvo uh, and I'm sure you have a ton to say about your, your Dodge. So chime in next week.
1: All right. Bye everybody.
0: See ya.